Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Dial 678-ESOG now for a solution to your foundation and waterproofing problems. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. Big news around UGA yesterday was the news from Brock Vandergriff, not unexpected that he's entering the uh, transfer portal. A lot of Georgia fans kind of wondering what that means next for him. Could he possibly play against UGA next season and what that means for Carson Beck? We'll get to that here coming up in just a few minutes, I promise you. Also, special guest on our show today, the former Georgia wide receiver, DeVars King, stops by to talk about something big he's got coming up this weekend and also uh, kind of where things stand with Georgia after losing to Bama and missing out on the college football playoff. All of that coming up with Tavares King in a few minutes. Connor Riley, of course, on a Tuesday there as well. Let me begin, though, with this. And just for fun here for a moment, I'm always amazed at how Deion Sanders just seems to find a way to get himself like right in the middle of the college football news cycle, whatever that news might be in any given moment. Colorado won four games this year. They're as far removed from the college football playoff as literally any team could be. And yet, nonetheless, uh, Deion was all over the place yesterday talking about the playoff and his alma mater, Florida State, not making it. And he had some very interesting things to say here. And it kind of works its way towards Dion actually touting Georgia as a team that he believes should be in the playoff. I'll tell you why I think this matters here coming up in a moment. But let me start with this. 24-7 Sports yesterday I did one of these sort of long kind of like transfer portal type shows. You know, it's like, hey, you know, it's almost like you see like MLB Network and NFL Network. Some of these networks do when like free agency opens. I guess now some of these college networks going to kind of do the same thing because legitimately the news is so robust and, and, and fast moving and difficult to follow. So therefore, wall-to-wall coverage kind of makes sense we obviously do our own version of that here around dog nation there as well but in this show Deion sanders popped up there uh his alma mater left out of the playoff florida state and yet Dion seemingly has a little bit of a uh, realistic view maybe perhaps cynical view of kind of how this final four all came together this is Deion sanders speaking yesterday with 24 7 sports about who did and who didn't make the college football playoff take a listen to this it's no way that you're going to leave Coach Saban in Alabama out of a playoff and Georgia. It No, you're not going to leave Georgia and Alabama out. It, it ain't no playoff if you do that. Um, I'm happy, man. I'm, I'm, I'm not happy. I don't know how I would have handled that. I think Coach Novell did a wonderful job articulating himself, uh, speaking his truth and the players, uh, supporting him as well. But you're gonna, they're going to always go with the business. See, people think it's just football, man. You got to understand this is a business as well. We've been saying this for years. I believe that Dion's probably right about that. When it comes to the people who run college sports, as you know, unimpressive as many of those folks are, I don't think you can be too cynical about the way in which certain things get done, which is, in this case, kind of a pro-Georgia show. That's not to say there wasn't a legitimate argument for Georgia being excluded from the playoff. Of course, there was. I'm just not going to make it for people. I'm going to force them to make it for themselves. The point, though, here is, is if your team is left out of the playoff, whether it be Georgia, whether it be Florida State, or whether it be anybody else, as Deion Sanders says, perhaps you ought to trace this back to the overall bottom line, that if you're not in that four, that means somebody somewhere thought you weren't good for business and if you always operate on that assumption you will probably be right more often than you are wrong because when you've only got room for four and there are potentially you know a handful of teams five six however many deserving well you got to make some decision somehow about who the one that's going to get screwed is and Dion says assume the one that gets left out assume the one that is the angriest is probably the one that was deemed to be uh worst for business and I think that probably makes some sense and if you want to figure out well how come Georgia's bad for business if you think about it long enough hard enough you might come to that conclusion and maybe one of these days we'll talk about it ourselves but either way that's what Dion says there but perhaps more interesting than that he goes in another program I'm telling you Dion the SI sportsman of the year listen he may never win the six games he may never make a bowl at Colorado he may never do anything but Dion knows how to play the media game he's SI sportsman of the year he's all over 24 7 sports yesterday he goes in the Dan Labatar show like he's just making the rounds as if he was one of the playoff coaches in a different interview the same thing kind of comes up about his alma mater florida state not making the playoff and in this particular case you heard Dion mention georgia a moment ago but in this particular case Dion goes even further in terms of making the case that it's actually georgia who maybe has the biggest gripe of all as to why 
why they did not make the college football playoff. This is one of those opinions that's sort of interesting because of who says it. Dion, who has been the biggest name in the sport all year long. Dion Sanders with Dan Lebitard yesterday. Well, I can't be upset. We're recruiting against those guys. You got to understand that this is business now. So I, <laughs> I can't be mad. But when you you got to look at it, so a lot of people don't look at it as business. I look at it that this is entertainment, but this is business. So there's no way you're going to leave Coach Saban in Alabama out of a playoff. Who should be really upset? Not only Florida State, but Kirby Smart. He's been with number one for the last two years or three years, and they're out. What about them? I think that Dion asked a fair question. You already know that I feel that way. We spent a good bit of the calendar year of 2023 talking about how under-discussed the aspect of Georgia seeking a third straight national championship was, that it's almost like people pretended that wasn't the biggest storyline in the sport. And lo and behold, when it came time to to, to talk about who the top four teams, the college ball playoff teams were, all of a sudden it was very easy to, to forget, oh yeah, this is a team that actually has only lost once in its last you know 30 games overall because we think overall the idea of being number one in back-to-back years just probably never quite got the attention that it deserved. And Deion Sanders says if there's anybody who has a real argument for, for being excluded from the playoff, Deion says it's Georgia, not anybody else. Now, I'll be completely candid with you here. I think part of the reason why Dion says that is, based on both those clips, sounds like he has a little bit of bad blood with his alma mater, Florida State, and that may be, you know, kind of a, <laughs> a reciprocal relationship. So uh, I guess we'll let those folks sort of figure that out. That may be some of that there. But once again, you know, Dion saying, if you're going to make an argument for anybody who didn't make the playoff to make to make the playoff, I think it's Georgia that had the biggest argument of all. That's pretty interesting stuff from Deion Sanders. Now, y'all already know that I feel that way, and I've told you before, I believe all Georgia fans need to get comfortable with the idea of arguing moving forward because that's what this sport is. In a sport where there are five Power Five conferences, but in the last 10 years, only four playoff spots, there's always going to be a debate, and frankly, there's a debate by design. So you got to roll up your sleeves, and you got to be ready for it. And as you move towards a 12-team playoff world next year, it's who makes the playoff. It's who gets to host a playoff game. It's who earns a bye. Three different levels of debate and discussion next year, even more arguing moving forward. And you've got to be on guard, ready to make your case. And you've got to assume sinister, perhaps, at least be cynical about the motives that someone else has for arguing against you. I think that Deion Sanders is sort of laying down the template for how all of this is supposed to look moving forward. But Here's something I totally get. There's a certain idea of Dion saying that he thinks that Georgia should be in the playoff is very small, if no consolation to most Georgia fans. I do get that. You're kind of ready to turn the page on all of this, and I get that there as well. So here is the good news I can provide to you if you do feel that way. I think that Kirby Smart right now is expressing the exact same mindset that you would hope that he would express. I saw a short video yesterday, and I apologize. I don't know what the, the original source of this was. I'm assuming it's something from the SEC network. I just saw this shared on tw- uh, on Twitter. It was a short video clip of Kirby Smart speaking to his team in the locker room after the game on Saturday. It's the kind of thing that's more candid, a little bit more heartfelt than any of the stuff that Smart's going to do in a press conference situation. This just felt more real, more raw. And so for Georgia fans who are like, Listen, B.A., I don't, I don't care about your argument. I don't care about Deion Sanders' argument. I don't care about any of this argument. Frankly, I'm not even that interested in the rest of this season, college football playoff, Georgia's bowl game, whatever else. You know, the idea towards turning the page and looking towards the future, based on what Kirby Smart said on Saturday, it sounds like Georgia may already be ready to do that, both in terms of the near term with the early stage of the offseason, uh, but also long term in terms of where the program goes from here. I would say after the game on Saturday, Kirby Smart said exactly what I believe the overwhelming majority of Georgia fans would certainly like to hear. This was from a video I saw on Twitter. Perhaps it's from the SEC network. But nonetheless, here's the audio of Kirby. Very, very uh, inspiring, but also a heartfelt message to his team, how much he cares for these players and how eager he is to turn the page to what's next. This is strong stuff from Kirby Smart. Take a listen to this. Man, I love this team so much. This team's got a lot of fight in it, okay? A lot of fight in it. And did a lot of good things in this game, okay? We made too many mistakes to deserve to win. I love this team. I don't know what's going to happen, and nobody knows what's going to happen. The only thing we control is what we're going to do moving forward. You guys are fighters. You're competitors. Look what you just did. Look what you've accomplished. And we didn't finish it. And we'll finish this thing the right way. I love the men in this room. 
And when you lose games, here's what you do. You don't look to point the finger outward. You say, what can I do? What could have I done better, Nas? What could have I done better, Carson? What could have I done better, David? Everybody, including me, including me, we don't ever fracture here. Composure, toughness, resiliency, and what else? Connection. Y'all hear me? It's got to mean something to you. It can't just mean something to you when you win. Keep your head up, okay? I love every one of you guys. Remember, connection and family goes on past a loss. I'm proud as hell of you, man. I love every one of you. I'll do anything for you the rest of your life, and we're not done yet, okay? I think that's a master class of communication, of proper motivation, but also the understanding that, yeah, you go out there and compete to win, and yet ultimately the the win or a loss in a game, even if the magnitude of the SEC championship is not final, even for the players who played their last game there at UGA, that the overall feeling of being a dog is about far more than just what your end-of-the-season record was. That's really strong stuff from Kirby Smart. And all of that is said with the idea, as Smart mentioned at the end of that clip, of moving on to what's next for this program. We all remember after the 2017 National Championship game, another disappointing loss to Alabama, when Kirby Smart said, we're not going anywhere. And that turned out to be a very prophetic phrase from Smart. And I believe a lot of what he says there will also remain uh, just as true, if not proved to be just as prophetic, that the connection that Georgia has is capable of surviving a loss and that Georgia will be hungry to move on for what is next and building a team in 2024 that's capable of competing. So what I would say is, Kirby, you talk that way. I'll come on here and shout to the microphone about what Georgia deserves and who's out to get them or all that kind of stuff. You focus on that kind of stuff because that's clearly what Kirby Smart is really good at. And I'll also say this very fast before we wrap up today's show or not today's show but this part of the show we got a lot more show to come i can promise you uh the 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 point here is this is that i kind of woke up feeling a little bit better this morning than perhaps i have at any point in time since saturday because i am legitimately and genuinely excited for 2024 i think the upcoming season and it's still to be determined exactly what the georgia team is going to look like that's certainly fair and true but i think the actual year upcoming gives us a lot of what 2023 just didn't provide we can all kind of lament and gnash teeth over the lack of like marquee game on the 2023 schedule the Oklahoma game got canceled no other game ever felt quite as big as perhaps that one would have or quite as big as other games have felt for Georgia in previous seasons well next year for people who want Georgia to get this taste out of their mouth whether the bowl game against Florida State provides that or not my gosh season opener against Clemson next year that's going to feel pretty big There's a chance Texas wins the national championship, I believe, this year, and Georgia gets a chance to go to Austin next year. Now, they're doing everything they can to keep Georgia fans out of that stadium and out of that state, but I think the Georgia fans are still going to descend upon Austin there for that game. Georgia just lost to Alabama, but we know that Georgia doesn't have to wait very long to get a rematch. They go to Tuscaloosa next year there, too. So for everything that the 2023 schedule wasn't, the 2024 schedule, I think it looks really good. And so when Kirby Smart says, hey, we're not going anywhere. Our connection is going to remain strong. It can survive a loss. We're still just as mentally tough as ever, and we're going to be as physically tough as ever moving forward, too. I think most of us have learned to take Kirby Smart at his word on that. So it's not quite full turn-the-page time yet. There's still some, obviously some stuff to sort of sift through with all of this, and there's a long way to go towards deciding exactly how good or what kind of team George is going to have for next season. But eventually we will get there, and eventually it's going to be a new year, 2024, with a lot of fun new things on the horizon. And once again, a sport that sets up well for Georgia to do a lot of what it's done in the past, which is dominate everything in front of it. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented today by Engineered Solutions of Georgia, and we are happy to have you with us today. No matter how you get to us, we're live on video, 945, first and 15, dognation.com, Dog Nation app. 10 a.m. across all video platforms after that kind of back to normal here today doing things the way we normally do and uh, crossing our fingers that all goes well radio athens sports radio 960 the ref podcast across all platforms there as well y'all have just been so kind to join us throughout the last year and we certainly certainly appreciate that and it's great to have all of you here today great to have engineered solutions of georgia a part of the program there as well foundation waterproofing issues that is what they are all about they're also proud partners of uga so they're just as disappointed as we are about the lost alabama on saturday they live through that and they feel that the same way that we always do but uh excited nonetheless about everything on the horizon there and 
also dedicated to solving your problems when it comes to these foundation, these waterproofing issues. What that means is I want you to recognize the signs of this. You see water creeping in where it's not supposed to be or the kind of wet spots that let you know that water was there at one point in time. That's a signal. You need to call ESOG. You see cracks on like the brick on the outside of your house. Sometimes it kind of looks like a stair step sort of you know, down and over, down and over, down and over. Or you see that kind of horizontal crack in the sheetrock perhaps somewhere. Once again, a sign there could be a problem somewhere. Uh, that's one of those things when you see that, remember what I said to you right now, BA said to call Engineered Solutions of Georgia. They're proud partners of UGA. They're longtime friends of ours here at Dog Nation Daily. And they also uh, have an entire team of engineers on staff dedicated to solving your foundation, your waterproofing issues. There's really nobody else in our marketplace that has that level of resource ready to go to work for you on all of your issues. They also have great value for you there, too, because they've got a fully transferable triple protection warranty on materials, installation, and design. And the phone number could not be easy to remember. Simply give them a call, 678-ESOG-NOW. That's 678-ESOG-NOW. And that'll get you in touch with Engineered Solutions of Georgia, proud partners of UG Athletics. And they bring Dog Nation Daily to us here today. So as I told you before, it's Tavares King here coming up before we're done, the former Georgia wide receiver. Looking forward to that conversation. Connor Riley here in a moment there as well. But prior to that, let's go around the doghouse here today. And I want to talk about the big news that came down yesterday, not unexpected perhaps, that Brock Vandegrift is entering the transfer portal. And there had been some chatter out there over the course of the last few weeks, couple of months. Maybe some of you had heard it. Oh, maybe Brock Vanderf might go to a place like Auburn, somewhere like that. That always kind of seemed to be a thing, whether those were you know real rumors based on well-founded reasons or just the kind of thing that sort of gets into the Internet and sort of stays there. One way or another, we kind of heard that chatter. And yet in the immediate aftermath of the Vandergriff announcement yesterday, it seems like perhaps there's a new leader that's emerged or at least a very strong contender for Vandergriff service. Let me show you this from on three um, where they're actually citing a different SEC school as a possible landing spot uh, for Brock Vandergriff. I'll show you this on the screen from on three saying this is Pete Nakos, who does a good job covering some of this kind of stuff. He says Kentucky's the school to watch for uh, uh, Brock Vandergriff. So not an Auburn or something like that, but a Kentucky uh, Nakos says multiple sources tell on three sports. He says the former five star recruit would be a strong fit in Liam Cohen's offense. Obviously, we respect Liam Cohen, the offensive coordinator there. Uh, certainly, Kentucky took a uh, transfer quarterback this past year when Devin Leary leaves NC State to go there to two of the Wildcats and a talent like Vandergriff paired with a mind like Cohen you could certainly see how that could work out pretty well and what I would tell Georgia fans here is this is that I know it's easy to want to judge George on how well Vandergriff does when he leaves that if he goes somewhere else and plays well it's easy to have a certain sense of buyer's remorse around all of that of uh, or seller's remorse maybe is the better way to say that of you know what did Georgia let get away here but I don't think you can judge it that way the truth is I think that Vandergriff's a really good prospect I think if you stayed at Georgia I think you'd have a chance to be a terrific starting quarterback here at UGA if you went somewhere else and it looks like he's going to my assumption is he'll play well wherever he goes and I don't think you can judge Georgia you know positively harshly whatever else based on how Vandergriff plays somewhere else I think you have to judge Georgia based on the quarterback that it has this past year, George had a choice to make. Vandergriff and Beck, who seemed to have the, 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 I guess the lion's share of the snaps in that battle to be starting quarterback this past season, and while Vandergriff seemed to equate himself pretty admirably, ultimately Georgia chose Carson Beck. And based on the way that Beck has played here this year, hard-pressed to say that Georgia did not make the right choice. And so when you've got a roster like Georgia's that's deep in almost every position, the backups are probably pretty good too. And so Vandergriff now gets to step out, go somewhere else, and gets to show somewhere else that he's also probably a pretty good quarterback. Now, the weird part about this is, is that seemingly the most likely landing spots, including the on-three guy there saying going to Kentucky, that's a team that'll play Georgia next season. So there's a very good chance that Georgia is playing Brock Vandergriff next year. We've actually seen this happen before. Zach Mettenberger played against Georgia uh, uh, when he played to a, at LSU. So even back then, this isn't you know completely a brand new thing, but there's going to probably be more of this to come in the uh, time ahead. And that's just what modern college football is sort of all about here right now. So you know, no real ill will for me. Vandergriff kind of waited his turn, hoped to earn the starting spot. He didn't get it. Players want to play, and now Vandergriff will go somewhere else to play. I'll look forward to watching him because I think he's a pretty entertaining player to watch, having followed his career going back to high school. I assume that he'll do well. 
but I also assume that Georgia is set up to do well in his absence because of what we saw from Carson Beck here this season. Now, speaking of Beck, there's also a lot of curiosity among Georgia fans of, well, what does this news from Vandegrift and the timing of the announcement saying it here right now, what does that mean for Beck's decision to possibly return? I can tell you, it seemed like there had been some sort of growing chatter behind the scenes about a possible Beck return anyway over the course of the last couple of months. Seemingly, a lot of this sort of teetering on the idea of could Carson be a starting, or should say a first-round quarterback in this upcoming NFL draft. It seems maybe more likely than not that Beck would be kind of outside the first round with a chance to, to really put himself in a great position for the 2025 draft. So there, I think, had been a growing sentiment that might be what Beck would do, and based on the people that I've talked to, that's a little bit of an evolution where things were maybe at the beginning of the season where I'd sort of heard from some people that maybe Carson might be looking to move on and go to the NFL, maybe even wherever he might be uh, ultimately drafted. But now he's played well enough that eventually being a first-round pick could be a very real possibility here. And maybe coming back from one more run at that to sort of set himself up for that, maybe that's the way all of this is going to go. There's also some reporting to that effect here right now. Matt Zenitz now with 24-7 Sports. Uh, he was on one of their streaming video shows yesterday. Zenitz is a reporter that has a pretty good handle on this kind of stuff. And Zenitz on the subject of back and a lot of the Vandegrift news, he says the latest word that's coming out of the SEC championship is there's growing optimism that Carson Beck's going to return to Georgia for another year, but there has not been a uh, final decision. In other words, it seems like the, the thought here conventional wisdom is moving towards a back return and while the the Vandergriff news I believe was probably made independent of the back thing it's at least another very important and, and, and significant context clue for the idea that uh that maybe back is on his way back if he is I believe that Georgia will get a very motivated quarterback because obviously Carson was very close to breaking through with a huge you know season for Georgia here this year and perhaps can put himself at the top of next year's draft class by playing well and obviously he'll do so knowing how close it could have been to all of that maybe happening for him this year you know go back to Saturday night in terms of the fact that Georgia up until the very end was fighting hard Beck's leading those scoring drives there late but ultimately coming up just a little bit short against Alabama this is what Carson Beck said about that feeling of actually taking his first loss as a Georgia starting quarterback, this is what he said there at the end of the press conference on Saturday night about all of that. I mean, obviously, to always have the mentality to never give up, um, it's never over. And I truly believe that every guy on that sideline through every second of that game never gave up. Um, and obviously, I'm super proud of this team. And it shows how resilient we are. Obviously, it didn't finish the way that we wanted to. But, you know, to see guys fight and care and love each other on the field and truly fight for one another is special and I mean it goes to say how special this program is and how um, coach smart has built this program um, I mean we we just kept going out there and fighting and kept going um, and obviously it didn't go our way um, at times but just never give up George's obviously got another game to play here this season and there's a lot of work to be done to put the 2024 roster together but if all of this is leading to a decision for Carson Beck to come back next year, I think that's a very interesting and obviously crucial building block for Georgia. That Beck has proven himself to be a quarterback of really the highest level. And you can make a case, and if you watch the games closely, this case is even easier to make than perhaps you realize. You can make a case that for long stretches of the season, there wasn't a quarterback in America playing better football than Beck was. And I know Michael Penix and Bo Nix and – you know, maybe Jaden Daniels. Uh, I, I realize all of that, but there was a stretch here when I thought that Beck was playing as well as anyone. You know, Daniels obviously had the better numbers, but in comparison, like the Pac-12 quarterbacks like Penix and Knicks, you're watching closely. I don't know that either of those guys was playing much better than Beck was at his best here this year. So if all of this is a setup for Carson Beck to eventually return, then I believe that will be truly very good and certainly very interesting news for UGA and for Brock Vandergriff. I think the right thing to do is wish him well. The right thing to do is to assume he will be good somewhere else and to assume that the other quarterbacks potentially waiting the wings are also just as promising of prospects because that's the kind of thing that George is trying to build. And that is around the doghouse here today on Dog Nation Daily presented by Engineered Solutions of George. So it's also crazy in the transfer portal outside of UGA. We'll touch on some of that here in a little bit. And special guest joins us before said all said and done there as well, the former Georgia wide receiver Tavares King. But for now, 
on the Vandergriff stuff, the rest of the transport portal news, because there were a lot of Georgia guys that went in yesterday, and there are more to come. And, of course, everything else around this program here right now. Let's talk to Connor Riley here today on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. We will uh, say hello to uh, Connor Riley here, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. So, Connor, you and I did some uh, video stuff on this yesterday, but a lot of this audience hasn't really had a chance to hear that. So I guess let's kind of go back through the high points, or if your opinion has uh, evolved here, be interested in hearing that there too. Um, I'll ask you the generic question. You can kind of take it where do you want to go. In the immediate, what do you think the Brock Vandegrift transfer news that we all learned yesterday, kind of fully and officially, what do you think that means for Georgia going forward? I think there are a lot of people that want to jump to conclusions and go ahead and say, oh, well, because Brock's leaving, Carson is coming back. I think these are two things that are independent of each other. Uh, you know, I know that Brock, uh, it had been floated out there that he considered transferring this past spring. He likes to stick it out. You see, I, I think, in his announcement, uh, the point of pride he has in obtaining a degree from the University of Georgia, which he has now done or will do uh, upon graduating in the next couple of weeks here. Uh, it's clear he's got a pretty robust market. It sounds like a couple SEC teams are interested. One that has jumped out is Kentucky, uh, a program that has had success with transfer quarterbacks in the past. Well, Levis immediately jumps to mind there. Uh, and, and playing with Liam Cohen, a guy that I think could get the most out of Vandergrift's skill set there. Uh, it, it's not surprising. You know, Brock, I think, waited three years, a chance to, to play, potentially start, uh, and you know, with Carson still on the roster and having the possibility to come back, uh, I think Brock took it upon himself to to finally you know take some of uh, his future into his own hands and make a decision that I'm going to go to a place where I can start right away and not have to worry about well is Carson going to come back another year? And so while I understand why people would say oh well if Brock's leaving Carson must be coming back, I do think that these are two independent decisions that are being made uh, separate of each other. Let's say that he does end up going to Kentucky because there's obviously been a lot of chatter about that in the last 24 hours. Um, how controversial do you think that would be? You know, we've had examples before of, like, say, Zach Mettenberger in a very famous game in Sanford Stadium kind of doing battle with uh, with Aaron Murray. So we've seen Georgia face former quarterbacks on the field in the past. We've had controversial quarterbacks leave this program, too, like, say, Justin Fields. But Fields never actually faced Georgia on the, on the field. So you kind of, I guess, missed out on that. I'm assuming there's not a ton of controversy here. It's a little bit weird to have your guy facing you, I guess. But I believe there's going to probably be more of that coming up in the future. Like, how big of a deal do you think it would be if Vandergriff does go to one of these SEC schools that's on Georgia's schedule next year and he's ended up playing against, you know, the team that he used to play for? How big of a deal do you think that would eventually be? Yeah, Kentucky's been a school that's been mentioned, and Georgia will play it on the road in Lexington next year. Uh, Mississippi State is a school that has been mentioned for him. Georgia hosts Mississippi State next season. Uh, you know, South Carolina was a school that I saw got thrown out there. Georgia does not play South Carolina next season. Uh, I, and, you know, Brock's got two years of eligibility left as well, so they, there, there's a world where they, they play Vanderbilt multiple times. Uh, you know, like, I'm, you know, like, and Jermaine Burton, I think, is a, a big example of this. You know, Burton made his choice. He made his decision. And while I can understand fans, you know, feeling a type of way, they are fans or for fanatics, uh, you know, like this is just something that I think is, is, as you point out, going to become a bigger reality going forward. And, you know, I mean, look, Georgia benefits from this too. They brought in Dominic Lovett uh, from Missouri, and Lovett played a role in Georgia beating Missouri earlier this year. Uh, Georgia brought in Ra-Ra Thomas, uh, you know, uh, in 2021. Georgia brought in Darian Kendrick, and they opened the season against Clemson that year. So it's something that, you know, Georgia fans, they can – you know, get upset or, or be mad about, but let's not ignore the fact that Georgia has also benefited from that in the past as well. And given what we know about the transfer portal, it's going to continue to do so. And I would certainly expect Vandegrift, even if he were to have success against Georgia, even if he were to win the game, my assumption is he would behave in a more tasteful manner than what some video that was captured of uh, Jermaine Burton seems to show. So, I, so I, I'm guessing that the whole vibe might be different because my assumption is that Vandergriff would behave differently than perhaps Burton was uh, seen behaving on Saturday night. Yeah, that's true. I, I mean, again, in, in Burton, this is not the first time 
uh, Burton has gotten into it with fans and specifically Georgia fans there as well. And, and you know, Brock, I think by in large part, is a good bit more liked uh, by Georgia quarterbacks. I think if anything, this would be similar maybe to Jacob Eason. Now, obviously, they didn't play him. But when he left to go to Washington, I think there was an understanding of, okay, we're going to ride with Jake Fromm. But you did the part of being a good backup and, and never raised any stink about it. And so because of that, you know, there are still people out there that are fans and supportive of Jacob Eason even after uh, all these years. All right, so uh, one more thing, kind of going back to what you said to begin with, because I think people want a little bit more context on this. Um, you know, we read the Matt Zinnick quote a moment ago, growing optimism that Beck's going to return. Uh, you talk about the idea that you think the Beck news eventually, whenever it comes, and the Vandergriff news from yesterday are independent decisions of each other. Is it your sense that Carson Beck is going to come back to Georgia next season? As we sit here today on Tuesday morning, I I, I would lean yes for a couple of different reasons. Uh, you know, and you never want to put too much stock into one game, especially the most recent game, but. Uh, you know, Carson didn't play his best on Saturday. I think uh, we didn't get a chance to ask him for that specifically afterwards, but I think he would tell us that there were some throws that he could have made. There were some plays that he should have been a little bit better on. You know, he, he specifically mentioned that botched handoff with Dylan Bell uh, as an example there. And, you know, look, Carson had a very good year this year. Uh, I, I would say he probably exceeded expectations, at least most rational expectations in terms of what was expected of him as a first-time starting quarterback. Went on the road, played great against Tennessee, was big in wins against Florida and Ole Miss this season. Uh, but there are areas for him to get better. And you know, I, I point out, again, the, the track record of NFL success for quarterbacks that have one season of starts under their belt is not great. Uh, you know, first-round picks to have less than 15 or 16, I believe, career starts uh, at the collegiate level is Mark Sanchez, Cam Newton, Blaine Gabbert and Mitchell Trubisky and you know I mean whose career that do you want I guess Cam Newton won an MVP and got the Panthers to a Super Bowl and Mark Sanchez was on some good Jets teams but none of those guys are, are you know except for maybe Newton set well financially for life and so I think that's something that factors into that as well there along with the fact that look Carson's not going to be the first quarterback taken he's not going to be the second quarterback taken He's probably not even going to be the third quarterback taken, given what we saw to Jaden Daniels this year and the improvements that he made in his game there as well. And so when you have guys like Bo Nix and you have guys like Michael Penix as well, and you see some of the success that experienced college quarterbacks have had early in their NFL career, you know, you think Aiden Connell with the Las Vegas Raiders right now, uh, you know, there's a world where, you know, Bo, where, excuse me, Carson Beck is maybe the sixth quarterback taken. I know Mel Kuyper had him as the number six ranked quarterback right now. And that's usually a guy who's taken late round three, early round four. And so I think if he comes back for another year, he knows that he can make a big leap. And and I wrote this in the story this morning, and it's a nuanced argument, so some people might jump and leap ahead. There are a lot of similarities when I watch them in terms of traits with Carson Beck and Joe Burrow. And both guys waited three years, three full seasons, starting for the first time in their fourth year. Carson Beck had better numbers, better performances, was better across the board than Burrow was in his first time as a starter. Burrow obviously makes a ginormous leap in his second year as a starter there at LSU, leads them to a national championship, wins them a Heisman Trophy. But you saw, I think, the value, especially with Burrow in that season, as he just played more games, the better he got. Now, I'm not saying Georgia's going to have Jamar Chase and Jefferson Jefferson out there at wide receiver next year, but you saw with Burrow, I think, especially with his skill set, you know, not the greatest arm in the world, but a capable one. Not the greatest athlete out there, but a capable one. And a guy who works really well in that 15 to 20 yard range uh, can make all can make all the necessary throws. Mentally processes really well and is well liked and is a leader in the locker room. I think Beck fits a lot of the same things that Burrow has there. And Burrow went from a guy who was not a draftable prospect after his first year at LSU to being the number one overall pick. Out of LSU that next year. Obviously, Carson Beck has a much higher draft grade on him at this point than Joe Burrow does. But it would not surprise me if this time next year we continue to see the strides that Beck makes, and he's potentially the number one overall player in the draft. So Carson Beck's the next Joe Burrow. That's great to hear. Really exciting. <laughs> Social media hits yeah. end. That, that, that's all I need right go there. Ahead, Thank go you. Go ahead and cut, go ahead and cut the clip. I love it. That's awesome stuff. Hey, let me ask you this. Uh, the transfer portal has already been, you know, kind of busy. We knew it would be. We know it will be even busier to come in the days ahead. There are more Georgia names going in. 
And yet thus far, it's the kind of, you know, the sort of thing that all the smart guys can, as expected, you know, you you sort of do the as expected type news here. You know, Georgia fans are also kind of bracing for the not as expected name, the kind of guy that's not draft eligible that you're counting on to be a bedrock player for Georgia next year, who perhaps just gets the, the, the big offer maybe from somewhere else. How much should Georgia fans be flinching right now for the unexpected and, and, and incredibly disappointing name to perhaps pop into the transfer portal the way, the way maybe like an A.D. Mitchell or a Bear Alexander was a year ago? Like how on guard for uh, that should Georgia fans be right now? Yeah, I, I think it's something you have to be aware of, certainly. I think maybe the thing with the unexpected name to worry about uh, and I'm not going to give out any names or anything like that. I'm not going to tell secrets at a school. But uh, I think you, with what you saw with Mitchell and what you saw with Alexander, and obviously sort of was playing a national championship last year, so that changes things. But those guys are both at the end of the portal, and they entered, and they kind of knew where they were going before they really even entered the portal. They very quickly, Alexander ends up at USC, Mitchell ends up in Texas. Uh, I would say, you know, the portal window closes on January 2nd. That's after, obviously, Georgia season comes to a close. I would say if you're worried about a big unexpected name entering the transfer portal, that usually happens more to the latter stage of the process. And so early on right now, uh, you know, there's not a lot of worry in in what might be there. So I think if there is a big name, and there probably will be one, just given what we know about the transfer portal, given what we know about Georgia's roster, given what we know about how Georgia handles NIL, and doling out those payments, I think you know if there is going to be that big name, and there's a good chance it could very well be one, it's going to happen at the end of the portal rather than right at the start. Uh, I think that's a very important thing to keep in mind. And then on the other side of that, what do you think the chances are, and maybe it's zero, I think that most Georgia fans think it probably leans that way more so than not, that that Georgia is also involved in one of these like really big names who's in the portal. Like For instance, the one that comes to mind for me right now is I'm not saying it has to be this guy, but a guy of this caliber, like a Walter Nolan, you know, a defensive lineman who obviously I think would make a a big impact pretty quickly no matter which team he went to. It seems like the early chatter here, though, has other teams other than than Georgia kind of involved here. Uh, You know, you talk about like, uh, was it London Humphrey, the, uh, the, the Vanderbilt receiver? You know, it seems like that's a little bit more the direction that Georgia kind of goes with its portal, uh, uh, you know, overtures. What do you think the chances are that maybe Georgia gets involved with like a big name, high dollar free agent itself here during this portal season? I mean, I think Georgia should be involved with Walter Nolan. I understand that's going to be, you know, as you point out, a, 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 a sort of bidding war, a high end one. But look. Georgia needs wide receivers, and wide receiver we have seen has been a pretty robust transfer portal market. Now there's obviously going to be guys in there, but that's a clear need for Georgia in the transfer portal. The other one that's a clear need is that defensive line position. And look, those are expensive uh, guys. Those are, if you want to have top-end talent in there, you're going to have to pay a premium on that. And the reality is like Georgia needs that going into next season. And so I understand you have a way you want to operate. You have a way you want to dole out NIL you know, dollars, and, and you do worry and wonder about the chemistry and the impact that has on the team. You know what else has an impact on the team? Winning games. And, and you need guys out there that are going to go out there and make a difference and win games. Uh, you know, Jermaine Burton, you know, made winning plays for Alabama on Saturday, as frustrating as that can be for Georgia fans. Dominic Lovett didn't necessarily do that there, and, and that's not necessarily fair to Lovett to point to him specifically, and obviously Burton's in his second year in the program compared to Lovett being in his first. But, you know, Georgia's going to have to make some decisions to transfer portal. And I'm not saying they need to, you know, go, you know, spend big on everyone, but they need to be smart in in who they target because the positions that they have needs at tend to be the kind of recruitments that cost a little bit more. And if you want to get difference makers at that position, at those positions, defensive line and wide receiver, I think you've shown that you kind of have to be willing to pony up. You know, Texas goes out, they get A.D. Mitchell in the transfer portal last season. They're in the college football playoff, in my mind, because of the fact that they have a guy like Eddie Mitchell on their roster who's got a chance to win three straight national titles. And so I think that those guys, those difference makers are out there. They're going to be a little expensive. You're going to have to sweat a little bit as other schools like Texas A&M, Tennessee, the known big spenders make those sort of pushes. But you've got an opportunity to sell something that those other programs don't. And so you have to be able to mesh both 
the winning that you have on the field along with a certain level of aggressiveness that comes with this NIL deal. All right, final thing here, and I apologize for putting you on the spot, but at this point, fatigue is sort of setting in here a little bit in terms of the SEC championship. So let me ask you this because I feel like I'm supposed to. Is there anything about this loss for Georgia against Alabama on Saturday that hasn't gotten enough attention yet? Is there any kind of you know idea here beyond what has been the sort of typical you know pain points for Georgia in terms of what exactly happened on Saturday night? You know, I, mean, I feel like we've covered a lot of this. Uh, you know, like, look, uh, I don't believe that Georgia has an Alabama problem. Uh, you know, you can say what you want about Mike Bobo. Uh, he called one bad half in that game, in my opinion. Uh, and, you know, look, Georgia's an incredibly banged-up team. The officials have to be better. Um, we've covered sort of all this. We covered it on Sunday. You know, Winning at the highest level, uh, I'm reminded of a story uh, Seth Westersham told about Mike Shanahan. Mike Shanahan won two Super Bowls with the Denver Broncos, and you know, but he's not seen in the same light as, say, like a Bill Belichick, who's won six. And they were talking about the difference because Shanahan is actually someone that has a, a, a track record of success against Bill Belichick, and they were talking. And Shanahan goes and says, the difference between winning is about this thick, and mm-hmm. He's holding up his two fingers, and you can't even fit a piece of paper, a single piece of paper, in between those two fingers. And I think Saturday is a microcosm of that. And, like, look, you just got to make winning plays. And more importantly, I think for Georgia, it's not necessarily that they they didn't make winning plays. They just made more losing plays than Alabama. A false start before a field goal attempt and then missing a 50-yard field goal off the uprights. A botched handoff on a play that Carson Beck has said Georgia has run a hundred times or plenty of times that it's been practiced. It's things like that uh, that make all the difference in the world. You know the Arian Smith fifty-one-yard uh, play uh, we touched on. You know a year ago that play was a touchdown against Ohio State in the game Georgia wins by a point. This time it, it only led to a Georgia field goal instead of a touchdown, and Georgia loses by three points when it really could have used those four points there. So it's those little microcosm moments where you got to make a winning play and maybe not necessarily, and in other instances not make a losing play and i just think that's what happened on saturday connor i think that's a very wise point and i agree with almost all of that completely thank you very much i look forward to reading a lot more from you i think you published darn near 10 stories yesterday so uh really really strong stuff on all of that and of course it's more busy news to come here so we appreciate you being on that wall we need you on that wall so uh thank you very much for that and uh, we'll talk to you again here on dog nation daily presented by engineered solutions of georgia very soon there as well i'm sure i've earned it yeah thank you thank you let's take a look around the rest of the league this is sec through all right so uh good stuff there connor riley we'll get uh tavaris king former georgia wide receiver coming up about five six minutes from here right now we'll talk to him about some of what went down and the SEC Championship there as well. He's also a part of a really fun event taking place here this weekend. We'll give you information coming up on all of that. For now, though, let's go cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And, boy, uh, having some conversations right now for me coming up in the month of January, which is only a few weeks away now, getting a chance to be on board Icon of the Seas. I am lucky enough to be among the very first to be on this brand new cruise ship largest cruise ship ever constructed can't wait to do that right near the beginning of the year an exciting uh, opportunity for all of you kind of do the same thing jessica slater great travel agent uh specially selected for us by royal caribbean she can help you out with all of that give her a call 770-718-9147 that's 770-718-9147 you can also email her jay slater at dreamvacations.com she'll give you all the details about that whether it's icon in january the debut of utopia of the seas in july or of course our dog nation cruise coming up in april she's got you covered on all of that all right, let's start with the transfer portal ourselves here, too, and kind of broaden this out beyond uh, just Georgia here for a moment. When you look at the big names that are in there right now, I think one of the things that you're set up for this year, perhaps being different than a year ago, while two-thirds of the quarterbacks that started last year in college football, and I do believe it was about two-thirds, while two-thirds of the quarterbacks that started at the FBS level a year ago were former transfers, the truth is there wasn't that like really big kingmaker transfer that changed the fortunes of a team. The teams that were really hungry for transfer quarterbacks, I think most of them kind of felt like it was a pretty soft market. And for the transfers who you know had the potential to transfer, really very few kind of said, okay, we're going to go to the place and I'm going to be the guy that puts this team over the hump. 
to perhaps compete for a championship. I do think you have some sense that this upcoming season could be different. And I'll tell you the, the place where this sort of pops up uh, the most obviously is the fact that Kyle McCord apparently is leaving Ohio State. Now, maybe that's because McCord thinks he's got a better option of the places. But the truth is, most Ohio State fans were not all that happy with McCord here this year. I think a lot of Buckeyes fans believe they can upgrade there at that spot. So if Ohio State really is in the market for a quarterback here this year, then I think that gives you an idea that the transfer quarterback story could be more impactful to who truly competes for the, for the playoff in 2024 than maybe it was in 2023. I'll also say that about a couple of the quarterback names were in there right now. You know, you had the thing with Matt Rule the other day about, oh, quarterback's commanding, you know, $1.5 million. For the most part, that is like all the other NIL stuff is probably an exaggeration and not really connected all that much to facts. But there are a couple of quarterbacks that probably could truly demand a high dollar figure. I think a lot of folks will tell you right now it's Cam Ward, the former Washington State quarterback, who may have the most value in the open market here coming up. And if Ward makes a decision that, like, say, Drake May chose not to make in 2023 or you know, a quarterback of that caliber chose not to make for this most recent season then that could be the kind of thing that changes the fortunes of a team here next year. Maybe Dante Moore, the former UCLA quarterbacks like that there as well. I guess there's a chance that Riley Leonard's a little bit like that going to Notre Dame, but that's probably no more impactful than Sam Hartman making the same decision was. And as Connor talked about, when you look at some of these former five stars who are also entering the portal, I think Walter Nolan's an interesting name. You know, is it the kind of guy that a school like Georgia sort of gets involved with or do we hear about one of these other NIL big spenders who kind of move in for a player like that? Big time defensive linemen are a very valuable commodity in the portal. And if Georgia wants to compete there, it does come with a dollar sign attached to it. So watch names like um, watch names like Nolan when it comes to all of that. I thought that Dan Patrick had an interesting conspiracy theory as it relates to the college football playoff. I don't think any conspiracy theory is too absurd to reject totally out of hand. I just don't think that's the case. The The idea that Patrick shared on his radio show, uh, I guess in the immediate aftermath of the playoff selection is, is that Bama is there to beat Michigan because they don't want Michigan to, make, to win the national championship. I don't hate that as a hot take. I don't hate that as a conspiracy theory. You know, while it's probably, to go back to Deion Sanders a little earlier, probably good for business to have Michigan in the playoff because it's a gigantic brand with a huge fan base. There are a lot of people who don't like Jim Harbaugh, and maybe it's for very good reasons. After all, he was suspended for two different things here this season. I think there's a certain distasteful idea in the eyes of those who run the sport that Harbaugh would potentially hold up the trophy at the end of the season. So instead of getting an easy win against Florida State, which is what they probably would have done if not for Alabama, they go the direction of Alabama. Much tougher game. Michigan's a slight favor, but that is no easy pushover win here. And so Dan Patrick says that Alabama is in over Florida State as a way of potentially ending Michigan's run for a national championship. That way they don't have to worry about giving the trophy to Harbaugh in a year when he's been suspended twice. He missed like half their regular season games because – of his various uh, allegations of cheating so something to keep in mind there on that as we get to Forrest King on the phone I'll also mention here Heisman finalists announced yesterday it's pretty much who you thought it would be it's Jaden Daniels it's Bo Nix it's uh, 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 Michael Penix but also the wide receiver Marvin Harrison Jr. the shame of this is Bowers doesn't get hurt I mean this does really look like the kind of year in which Brock Bowers could have really made himself a part of that conversation because when you look at his overall numbers even after missing some time I mean, he really did have a shot to be there, but ultimately that's not the way, way that it worked out. Given these as the finalist, I absolutely believe that it's um, – I believe that it's Jaden Daniels who's supposed to win the award. I thought it was kind of a cool thing, the way in which LSU made the big push for Daniels on championship weekend, including having some billboards up in Atlanta. I think that was the right thing to do, and I believe that Daniels is the deserving winner of the award. Not a great team, but an unbelievable season. And for LSU that'd be something you can at least claim as victory in a year that otherwise end up being a little bit more disappointing than you thought it would be I was going to do something on the AP all SEC team I'll, I'll save that for another day other than to say how do you not put Kamari Laster on here like the biggest problem we have is is the people who run the sport and the people who cover the people who run the sport don't actually watch the games in some respects and nothing creates more trouble for us than all of that is the people who are in control of the narrative don't always watch the games and if Kamari Lester is not an all-SEC quarterback I don't know what we're doing here and uh, obviously that's a little bit of a pro-Georgia tag but once again as we say all the time if we don't make that argument the pro-Georgia argument who will 
as you see from the Associated Press, uh, all SEC team, apparently nobody, because Laster clearly got snubbed there on that, and we'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And of course, now we'll turn our attention to a guest I believe we're having on for the first time here today, and obviously so many of us enjoyed his career there at UGA, and he's also a part of a, a big event coming up on uh, Saturday, too, fun autograph signing. It's Tavares King, the former Georgia wide receiver. Tavares, thank you so much for being on our show here today. What a great pleasure it is to have you here today i just appreciate your time oh yeah i appreciate you uh definitely definitely appreciate you having me on today so when i found out last week we were going to probably have you on i was looking forward to talking to you about what i was hoping was going to be a big win for georgia over alabama and back in the college playoff and kind of all that kind of stuff ultimately that's not the way that worked out so i think your opinion here given the fact that you did play the game at such a high level is pretty valuable from your perspective here you know Tavares what do you think went wrong against the Crimson Tide and what was your overall takeaway watching Georgia come up just a couple of points short there in the SEC championship this past Saturday oh I mean I I think we just we just didn't execute you know on both sides of the ball um you know uh, defensively you know Milrow he's, he's, a, he's a tough he's a tough task that's a, that's a tough task to get on the ground um, tough task to keep in the pocket, and, and when 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 we needed to, we couldn't. You know, we couldn't get him down, and uh, you know, he kept he kept things going. But but you know, Alabama just played a played a really 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 sound game. Um, you know, they took some punches and 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 and, and played really well. But but I, I definitely think that that uh, in my opinion, I don't think that that we played our best uh, from a dog's perspective. Uh, at all, so so I and and you got to think about um, guys were banged up out wide, yeah. so there's a, there's some there's some intangibles or or some things there that. Uh, there were factors for sure you know one of the things we're talking about here right now is the possibility that Carson Beck might come back next season obviously his draft status somewhat I guess in question of how high he could be drafted this year compared to how high he might draft be drafted if he waited till the 2025 season you know as someone who caught a lot of touchdowns at Georgia had a very prolific career what have you thought about the Georgia offense overall with Mike Bobo's leadership here this year Carson Beck spreading it around Georgia seemingly getting wide receivers involved in a way perhaps better than any point time they have under the Kirby Smart sort of era here thus far what was your overall take of the uh, Georgia offense this season man I, th- I thought that this this was the best uh you know offense that I've seen Georgia have in a while you saw the ball spread around in a lot of different guys hands um from from receivers to to the backfield Dejon Edwards back there along with Kendall Milton getting getting it done but I thought coach Bobo all season long, did a did a phenomenal job of, of getting the balls in playmakers' hands, and um, you know, just a, just a special year, honestly. And and as far as Carson coming back, man, I honestly, <laughs> I hope I hope he does. Yeah. You know, he, he he's a special special talent, and um, you know, two years in this offense would 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 I, would do him some good, I think, and and would just do do wonders for his draft stock, and obviously do wonders for this team. Um, having him back at the helm for for a second stint. As a former player yourself, we're also kind of in this like transfer portal age here right now, where we're seeing some Georgia players go in, we're seeing players across the country go in, and it's one of those things where, on the one hand, Georgia's seemingly trying to fight to keep as many of its own players as it can, while also kind of looking around to say, hey, who else is out here? You know, Dominic Lovett, Ra Ra Thomas, those are guys that came to Georgia a year ago, and I think the Georgia fans have thought both those players were really, you know, you know, pretty imp- impressive guys. Uh, you know, as someone who kind of played prior to the transfer portal the way that it certainly operates here right now what do you make as a former player about the age that we're currently in yeah i mean i think it's super unique um you know it gives guys an opportunity to kind of if they're not you know getting getting the the looks they were thinking they were going to get out of school it gives them an opportunity to, to to go elsewhere um it's definitely different uh, for sure, from when I played, you know, we I think we would have to sit out a year if we transferred or something like that. You know, these guys can go in right away and 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 start playing. But it definitely changes the scope of the game. But it kind of it it puts it puts um it puts a little more um in the players' hands. It puts it puts it in a little more of the players' hands, I think. But but I think it definitely gives it changes the game and gives guys an opportunity to kind of um, have a 
grasp of their own careers, I guess I would say. You've got a, a big autograph signing coming up on Saturday. I want to tell folks about that coming up. Let me squeeze in one more question before we get there, though, Tavares. You know, yeah. I, I, obviously, as a player, you know what it feels like to get very close to breaking through and winning a championship. You were obviously, you know, a part of some teams like that at Georgia. And yet, while this year for you, Jay, is perhaps not going to finish that way, certainly the uh, last two years have been Georgia at the highest level that the uh, sport could have seemingly ever imagined. As an alumnus of this program and a a proud former player, what has it been like for you to watch the success that Kirby Smart has brought to UGA and so many guys coming here and thriving and going on to the NFL, something you also did in, in, in your career there too to see the place the georgia program has been built to how much fun has that been for you to kind of watch kind of play out oh it's been it's been super fun what kirby what kirby's done um for this program has been has been amazing uh you know this this the standard at georgia is is super high i think from a fan base we expect we expect Perfection, obviously, riding right off 20, 29 straight wins is, is, is unheard of. Um, I think it was over seven hundred days since we since we've lost. Yeah. Unheard of. Um, so I, I just what he's doing, the standard he's set he's set at Georgia, and what's expected is 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 amazing. And and it's it, it's time. It, it, it's it's due. And um, you know, I think that's going to be something that's set here for a while. Um, and I think he's going to be here for 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 a very long time. No, I think so. I think you're absolutely right about that. One thing we know about Georgia fans, Tavares, is they love Georgia players, both current and former. And Saturday, you get a chance to be a part of a great event with some former Georgia players there as well. It's going to take place from 1 to 3 p.m. at the Lusop Amphitheater in coming Georgia. Chance to meet the dogs. Uh, David Green, the former Georgia quarterback. You yourself, Bakari Rambo on hand. Orson Charles there as well. And autographs are just $15 per athlete. And you can get an autograph from all four of you guys there for $50 there as well. if you go to meet the dogs of course dogs spelled the way it's supposed to be d-a-w-g-s meet the dogs you can find out a lot more about that and Tavares I would just ask you as someone who I know enjoyed your time at UGA so much how much fun is it for you to interact with fans and obviously right here before Christmas a lot of folks will be using these autographs from yourself and the other guys there as Christmas presents and things like that because the love for UGA always runs deep win loss anything else in between so as someone who uh sure I'm sure value time at Georgia how much do you love the idea that you are still such a beloved DGD to so many fans who are perhaps coming out to see you there on Saturday man I I, I absolutely love and, and, and cherish you know the georgia fan base and and, and you said it, it, it it's a family you know once you once you decide to to come to georgia um you get 92 plus um you know new family members and, and it doesn't stop and so it does feel good um to to, to be able to to come out and show love and and get love back as well so um i look forward to to, to coming out there saturday with greeny um, big O and, and, and Rambo and, and, and uh, you know, seeing seeing some of my other family members um, in Dog Nation. Tavares, we were fans of your career. We loved watching you play, and it's uh, great to get a chance to talk to you here today. Hope we get a chance to do this at some point in time in the future there as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you having me on. Good stuff there from Tavares King. And don't forget, if you want to see him there on Saturday, as well as Orson Charles and Bakari Rambo, David Green, meetthedogs.eventbrite.com. You can find out more about that really fun event and coming from 1 to 3 p.m. Great chance to get some former Georgia autographs. And I'll tell you, I was a part of an event like this right before the season started. And I, I love to watch these guys interact with fans because they're just good at it. They're just, you know, it's just fun to be a part of Dog Nation, whether you are kind of coming into this from the vantage point of being a former player or, uh, you know, a, a fan. There's just a community we have with each other. And to watch people share that community, I never get tired of seeing it. So I know Saturday is going to be a great day. And a lot of uh, good Georgia fans are going to get some really fun Christmas presents there getting some great stuff autographed that's 1 to 3 p.m there on saturday for more on that now speaking of the holidays a couple of our folks around the state of georgia have some fun holiday things coming up so let me give you a couple of ideas here about this you want some great christmas shopping time here coming up before the end of the year uh right here in the dunwoody area where we broadcast our show from at least for a little while longer um right here in the dunwoody area you can do that if you're like say out of town you want to kind of have the the big city experience when you come in here to do some uh, uh, uh christmas shopping 
come stay in the Dunwoody area right next to our Dog Nation World Headquarters studios. And you're kind of nestled in between a couple of MARTA stations. So if you're flying in or if you're driving in, you want to get to like Buckhead, Midtown, Downtown, something like that. You can use MARTA to do that. But you can also kind of stay out here kind of away from the hustle and bustle a little bit, but also nestled right in between you know a couple hundred restaurants like 300 different shopping experiences so to have a great kind of holiday weekend right here in the dunwoody area is a great place to do all of that there's like 2,000 hotel rooms so you're able to get great savings on your stay while you're here with easy convenient access to the other parts of atlanta uh, via the couple of marta stations that are right here around this but also just kind of staying in the dunwoody area prevents a lot of or should say presents a lot of great dining opportunities and shopping experience and all that so please go to discoverdunwoody.com slash dog nation for more on that discoverdunwoody.com slash dog nation for more on that and then north of here with their friends up there in cartersville you know all they uh, they've got all kinds of great holiday things going on here right now so if you like axe throwing or escape rooms or uh, you want some of the tickets and some of the festivals they have coming up throughout the year uh, some of the events taking place at the Savoy Auto uh, Museum and all that kind of stuff if you go to visit cartersvillega.org you can find out more about that that's visit cartersvillega.org so this holiday season a lot of great things going on around the state of Georgia so make sure you're fully uh, aware of all of that with some of our great partner partners there as we wrap it up here today so we're kind of back to a sort of full go at the end of the show here. Uh, Golden Shoes and our um, Gator Hater Updater here in a moment there, too. And a lot of the folks who've sent me some great stuff over the course of the last few days, it's been so chaotic with all the, you know, playoff and SEC championship stuff like that. I'm pretty behind on some of that, but I want to give full credit to those who've been so kind to share some stuff with us over the course of the last few days. So stay tuned. We're going to try to catch up there on that. I will show you this. Uh, speaking of our great partners, South GA Dog says, you know, kind of disappointed after the uh, playoff announcement, he turned him, <laughs> turned some attention to a 12-pack of Dr. Pepper strawberries and cream. <laughs> which i just find very funny for some reason so uh really good stuff from south ga dog there on that drowning his sorrows and some dr pepper strawberries and cream obviously taking care of one of our great sponsors as he does south ga that's funny stuff also lousy stinking gators it's not great around dog nation this week but it's even worse down there 1123 days since they've beaten georgia and that number is going to keep going up so we'll at least take some comfort in that our gator hater updater wrap it up here today thank you for being here for dog nation daily presented by engineered solutions of georgia we'll see you back here tomorrow